about giving our problems in exchange for his peace. And we've got about eight slides that we're going to be reading all loud together um, that is found in Matthew 8 uh, and Matthew 1, I should say, 18 through 25. So let's read this together up on the screen as it comes up. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Father, again, we thank you for this day. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit has to say. In your precious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word as we um, enter into today's message. Let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you felt like everything was against you? You felt like everything was against you. I don't know what the circumstance may have been. I don't know what your age was or where you were at. Or secondly, like nothing is going your way. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your walk with the Lord. You feel dry. You feel like you're not growing. Maybe it's in your finances. You're doing all the, the natural things and you're tithing and you're doing all these things. But it just seems like it, you, you're on the struggle bus with your finances or maybe even with your health physically or mentally. And there might even be times that whatever it is you're dealing with that you might even feel that God has turned away from you, like, where are you, Lord? Why aren't you helping me in my circumstance or in my situation? Has, has something ever happened in your life that, you, you left you, that left you picking up the pieces to a problem or the problems that you've gone through? Maybe it may not necessarily be you. It might be your grandchildren or it might be your children or whoever it may be or a neighbor or something like that. Maybe it's a problem of losing a loved one. Maybe it's uh, dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it's when that little engine light comes on your car while you're driving, all of a sudden you're thinking the worst of what may be going on with your car. Or maybe there's a leak in your water heater at home and you realize, uh-oh, it's been 12 years. We're going to have to get this puppy replaced, you know, and stuff like that. Or maybe problems at school. Or maybe a separation or divo divorce. But people handle problems in a lot of different ways. I don't know how you handle problems, but a lot of times people handle them in different ways. Sometimes they just ignore them. They just let the engine light stay on to see how long they can go until they have to get a new car. I don't know. Some go to God with their problems. Some get discouraged. They get depressed. Some get angry. Some might even go to their pastor or their priest for counseling. Reminds me of a funny story I heard of a lady who had a problem with her two female parents. Basically, she approached her priest and told him, Father, I have a problem. I have two female talking parents, but they only know how to say one thing. Well, the priest, while he was counseling this woman, said, well, what's the problem? What, what do they say? And this woman said, well, the only thing they know how to say is, hi, we're single. Do you want to get married? Hi, we're single. Do you want to get married? And the priest thought, well, that's odd, you know. But he said, I have a solution to your problem. 
He said, I have a solution to your problem. Bring your two female parrots over to my house, and I will put them with my two male talking parrots, whom I've taught to pray, whom I've taught how to read the Bible. And my parents will teach your parents to stop saying that odd phrase, and, and your female parrots will learn how to pray and read Scripture. And the woman said, oh, thank you, Father. I'm, I'll, I'll, I look forward to bringing them to your place of residence and so forth. And the next day, the woman brings her female parents to the priest's house, and his two male parrots are holding rosary beads and praying in their cage. And the lady puts her two female parrots in the male with the in with the male parrot and and the male parrots and the female parrots the female parrots say to the male parrots hi we're single do you want to get married and one male looks over at the other male parrot and exclaims put the beads down our prayers have been answered <laughs> some of you will get that tomorrow amen all right it's all, it's all right one man's problem is another person's treasures i guess now joseph and mary faced a lot of problems just like we face problems in this world today. Here this young couple is forced to register for a census in a town that was far from their own place. On top of that, she's nine months pregnant. She's nine months pregnant, and when they finally reach their destination, after an audacious journey, there's no place for them to stay. Talk about problems. And Mary ends up giving birth in a stable, in a stable. Now, the world of Mary and Joseph was difficult. It was, it was a dangerous place where they were going. We really don't even know or even have an idea of how many problems or obstacles they probably faced on the road from where they were going. You see, Joseph and Mary's hardships would have begun more than a week before even the birth of Jesus. When the couple had to leave their home, they had to leave the comforts of Nazareth in the northern highlands of, the, of Galilee to register for a Roman census. You see, they had to travel 90 miles to the city of Joseph's ancestors, south along the flatlands of the Jordan River, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem on to Bethlehem. It was, a, it was a grueling trip. Most people would usually be traveling about 20 miles a day, and this trip was usually an up and down kind of a thing. If you got motion sickness, you really didn't like this journey at all. It was not simple. You see, Joseph and Mary likely would have had to travel only 10 miles a day instead of 20 miles a day because she was pregnant and so forth. And, and because of that, you know, uh, and because of Mary's impending delivery, it took a little bit longer than expected. And the trip, though, th through the, jo uh, the Jordanian desert would have taken place during the winter. And it's, it's in the 30s at that time. During the day and at night, it's extremely cold. And sometimes it rains. Sometimes there might be snow. And the conditions were probably nasty. They were probably miserable. And at night, it would be freezing. And on top of that, the road is unpaved. Hilly trails and harsh weather were not the only hazards Joseph and Mary would have faced on their journey south, but one of the most terrifying dangers in ancient Palestine was where they were going through. It was a heavily forested valley of the Jordan River, and because of that, there was lions and bears and in the woods, and travelers had to fend off wild boars. And, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us if they had to deal with those kind of situations or not. And, and then on top of that, besides the lions and the bears and the boars, there was bandits, there was pirates of the desert, there was thieves who would, would also be a hazard to those who were along that major trade route like the one that Joseph and Mary would have traveled. And the problems did not end. Once they got to Bethlehem, you would think, oh, everything's peachy king. Everything's fine for them and all that they've got to deal with in that circumstance. But when they arrived in Bethlehem, under normal circumstances, this is what was supposed to happen. The couple would have expected to stay in a spare bedroom of a relative. They would have probably stayed with another Jewish family, but somehow, someway, it became so overcrowded in Bethlehem that it would force Joseph and Mary to seek lodging at a, at a primitive inn in that time. And, and unfortunately, there was no room anywhere. So Jesus, the Messiah, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, was born in a cave. 
He was born in a cave, and, and that provided some protection from the elements, but the noise and the dirty conditions in which Jesus was born would have made the event anything but warm. It would have made the event anything but pleasant or wonderful or sweet or comfortable in that moment. I think what helped them deal with their problems from where they were going to where they had to go, to where, the, to where Jesus was born along the way. And even before that, the whole thing that Joseph had to figure out, like, she's pregnant, but I'm not the daddy, and, you know, this and that, and all this other stuff that was going on in his mind and in her mind when she had to explain this to her parents. I think what helped them deal with their problems was the peace of God. It was the peace of God regarding the promises who, who was in her. Who was in her? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace who came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, if you have a bulletin this morning, there's areas where you can take some notes if you'd like to or fill in the blanks if you want to do that. But the first thing is this. God cares about every problem you're dealing with. God cares about every problem you're dealing with, and not one of them is too difficult for him to deal with. We need to remember that today, that God cares about every problem we're dealing with, and not one of them is too difficult for him to deal with, no matter how hard or how high it is that we're dealing with. You see, when I think about difficulties, when I think about frustrating problems, you know who comes to my mind? You might be thinking, oh, Job. Well, Job is definitely a person that definitely experienced a lot of difficulties and a lot of hardships and a lot of frustrating problems. But I think of Paul, Paul the apostle, who had a lot of things going against him. You can read about him in 2 Corinthians 11, and, and we're going to read a, a portion of that. But, for instance, he had to present his credentials because of the charges made against him by false teachers. Then on top of that, he would encounter further problems. He would encounter further difficulties and hardships for the cause of Christ. He was doing the right thing. And then in Acts 27, he had a pending trial, and I bet that Paul knew that he would eventually be killed for his passion and his commitment to the gospel. But what builds me up, what, what gives me peace when it comes to my problems is that no matter how difficult, no matter how frustrating they may be, when you look at Paul's problems where he, where he was, he didn't quit nor was he afraid. Why do I say that? Because look at what it says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 27. Are, the servants of, are they the servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Talk about problems. Verse 24, five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. Verse 27, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. There's a lot of problems in this passage. There's a lot of things that Paul's dealing with that you may say, I, I can relate to that, I can relate to that, I can relate to this or that or whatever it may be. But Paul did one thing through, though, through every difficult and frustrating season and that is he decided to make a courageous but simple decision. He chose to exchange his problems for God's peace. 
He chose to obey God, and he was willing to do whatever Jesus asked him to do, and he did it as he remained faithful, he remained loyal, and committed to where God called him and to where God placed him. He didn't allow the circumstances to get under his feet and say, well, I guess I need to stop doing what I'm doing because it seems like this is not God's will for my life which a lot of times we do in our circumstances or in our situations that we deal with or whatever it may be. You see, church, if we're not careful, you might want to write this down, problems can cause you to dwell on the worst outcomes that are beyond your control. Sometimes God is just going to put us through the grind and say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And maybe the things that Paul was dealing with is what, what, what God was trying to say to him. God wants us to give, God wants to give us the strength to deal with our problems because we all are going to have problems someday. If not today, you're going to have them tomorrow. They're always going to be with us until we're either six feet in the ground or we've gone to glory through the rapture or something like that. You see, God wants to give us the strength to deal with our problems. But the key is we need to cry out. We need to talk to him daily as well. When your baby cries, you just don't stay in the other room and just decide, you know what, I'm just not going to go in and deal with that. Something along the way rises you out of your bed, out of your comfort to go and make sure that whatever it is that your baby's dealing with is okay. Why? Because that's the, that's the heart of a father. That's the heart of a mother is to take care of their children. And you see, a lot of times what happens is we don't cry out to God. We don't talk to him daily. We just try to figure it out in our own strength and in our own wits and in our own mind. And what ends up happening, we get discouraged, we get depressed, and so forth. You see, one of the roots that stems from focusing so much on our problems is this. Do you know what it is? We begin to worry. We begin to worry. I love what Corey Ten Boone, who went through a lot of problems, if you don't know her or you've never heard of her, just, just Google Corey Ten Boone. She was a person who was a survivor of the Holocaust, and, and she said this, and I quote, she said, worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. That's what worry does. She also said, worry is a cycle of in, in, inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. That's what she said. You see, worry basically reveals someone's lack of trust in God because they choose to trust too much in themselves. They choose to trust too much in man to see them through instead of God. There was a song we used to sing when I was a kid growing up in church in the 80s, and it went something like this. It said, he is our peace who has broken down every wall. Do you remember that song? He is our peace. He is our peace. What does it say in that passage or in that song that we sing? Cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you. He is our peace. He is our peace. Now, where does that come from? It comes from 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You see, when someone chooses to carry their problems, when someone chooses to hold on to their stresses, when someone chooses to live in a life of anxiety or worry, it shows that you're not fully trusting in God with your life. It shows that you're choosing to place your trust in government. You're choosing to place your trust in yourself. You're choosing to to place your trust in man to take care of your circumstance more than God. Don't submit to your problems, but rather submit to the Lord who controls your life Because he has your whole world in your hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And we need to remember that. You see, when we choose to give God our problems, he wants to comfort us with his peace. 
He wants to comfort us with His peace. What was it that helped Paul deal with insurmountable problems that we just read in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27? He talked to God in prayer. He talked to God in prayer about his issues. He talked to God in prayer about his problems. He talked to God in prayer about his hardships. But not only did he talk to God in prayer, he thanked God for what he had done for him in the past and even in the present. And sometimes we don't do that. We might pray to God, but do we thank him? Do we give him glory for what we're doing? You see, the bottom line is you can dwell on your problems or you can dwell on God's promises. I think that's what helped Mary and Joseph while they were going from where they were at to where they needed to go. They focused on the promise rather than the problems. What helped Joseph and Mary was through all the problems, they chose to focus on the promise of Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. And God wants to guard our hearts and minds with his peace no matter how difficult our problems might be. It says this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And we usually do the opposite of what the Lord tells us to do, don't we? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that. You know what that reminds me when I read that, friends, that no matter what problems I face, no matter what problems you face, don't ever give up living under God's peace. Why do I say that? Because his peace empowers us to go through a test without the test going through you and I. That's the joy of the, of the peace of God. You see, when problems come your way, when problems come your way, try to dwell on the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God by having a heart of gratitude. We don't think about that when we're going through problems. We don't think about God's faithfulness because we, we, we're looking at the circumstance more than the faithfulness of God. By, and we don't even have a heart of gratitude. We complain. We gripe. We do all these other things and, and, and instead of having an, an attitude of gratitude. You see, that's what I love about Thanksgiving. It seems like that's the only time people really are thankful. Instead of being thankful 24-7 or throughout, you know, every day of the month or whatever it is that we deal with. You see, gratitude is what refocuses our minds on the goodness of God. It, it refocuses, no matter what is surrounding us, it refocuses on the goodness of God and the gifts of God. The gifts of God. Rather than the problems around us. If you want to focus more on the faithfulness of God than your problems, yes, pray. It's important to do that. But why, but also, why is gratitude important to have? Because it reminds you that God is sovereign over all things, that God is in control over every part of your life and my life. Amen? And I'm thankful for that. As you go through this week, as you look at your list and, and you've got things to do and you've got places to go and you've got shopping that needs to be done or whatever it may be, this week, just look back at how many times, just even in the past three years, everyone say three years. Just in through the past three years, I want you to look back or less on how you have experienced the faithfulness of God in your life. I think there's a lot of things that we can think about. And in that process of experience and thinking through the faithfulness of God, I think what we need to do is we need to give thanks to the Lord because of his goodness. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Verse 5, 
For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Even though God comforts us, our problems are still going to be there, friends. They're still going to be there. Because if we didn't have any problems, we would never turn to God. We would only turn to God when we had pains or, or problems. But God wants us to have, he wants to have a relationship with us 24-7. Isn't it amazing that the only time that we really dive into the word or we really seek the Lord or we pray is when we have problems or we're going through pain? Instead of when things are fine or when everything's going great, sometimes we, we avoid God in those situations. But God comforts us by giving us strength to persevere through our problems. He encourages through his, his word. He, he encourages through other people. And, and he gives us hope to go forward and to deal with our problems as well. We need to remember that the more problems we face, the more God wants to comfort us. The more problems we face, the more God wants to comfort us. Problems should cause us to grow closer to God. But sometimes it's the opposite. People walk away from God. They, they don't want anything to do with Christianity anymore. He didn't answer my prayers, and he didn't do this for me, and it seems like my problems got worse instead of better. Problems with God on our side should cause us to improve. Problems with God on our side should cause us to, to shape up into becoming a better follower of Jesus Christ. Even Paul said suffering or dealing with problems should produce in us a spirit of perseverance. A, per, a spirit of perseverance but you see, friends, there is one thing that should assist us in dealing with problems. There's one antidote, that, that is, and that is this, when we choose to live in a posture of worshiping the Lord. When we choose to live in a posture of worshiping the Lord, because our worship to God, if you want to write this down, this is the last thing, our worship to God should always be louder than our problems, because worship overwhelms our problems in exchange for his peace. Why do I say that? Well, let's look at the shepherds. They were attending to their flock. They were doing their thing. They were doing their job. And then all of a sudden, an angel came. And then a host of angels came and began to say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And, and the angel told them where to go and what to do. And, and these guys had to abandon their sheep and, and go to this Messiah or go to this thing that they told them to go to. And when they went and saw everything and they saw the promised Messiah, Jesus, as the angel had told them, it says in Luke 2.20, it says that the shepherds returned to their fields. They returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Worship, praise. Think about Paul and Silas. They're thrown in prison. They're in jail. They're in chains and shackles. And it says in Acts 16, 25 through 27, talking about worship being louder than our problems because worship overwhelms our problems in exchange for his peace. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. 
You see, friends, if you want to focus more on his peace than your problems, if you want to trust in the promises of God more than your problems, if you want to worship God more than focus on your worries, it comes down to one thing. Are you willing to exchange your attitudes? Are you willing to exchange your thoughts? Are you willing to exchange what's in your heart and focus from being on your problems rather than, rather than on your problems more on God's peace? It comes down to the decisions we make. It comes down to the D word, the decisions we make today, because the decisions you and I make today will affect God's destiny that he has for our tomorrows. And that's what he wants to remind us of today, that he wants to exchange, he wants us to exchange our problems for his comfort, for his strength, for his hope, for his peace that surpasses all of our human understandings to guard our hearts and our minds. Every head is bowed.